Welcome to the ESPN Player College Football Podcast, along with myself, Simon Clancy, the Gridiron Editor, Matthew Sherry. Matt, we're kind of teetering on the brink of the exciting bowl games, but we've had the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Uh, we've had talk about a college football expansion. It's been the early signing day for recruits signing up with uh, with teams for the next three, four years, depending on their ability and NFL talent level, as it were. Uh, let's start with the Heisman. Uh, Kyler Murray, and I, I, I must give uh, full credit to you because throughout this process, you uh, you said that Murray was still in with the running, still in the running, still in with the chance. I always sort of dismissed it uh, and thought it was essentially a one-horse race. But in the end, uh, it was a two-horse race and the little horse that could got across the line. It, I suppose in part, not just because of his performances throughout the year, but the, the, the conference championship game against Texas mirrored against Tua Tungavalo's horrendous performance and then injury and then Jalen Hurts coming back in and sort of squaring the circle and uh, uh, and winning the SEC title game for Alabama against Georgia perhaps had quite a big impact on, on voters in that in that final run in yeah it did I mean I'm a little bit irritated that I didn't put a bet on them because I definitely suggested them before the season even began and I reckon that they got decent odds so that's frustrating but um, yeah I mean I, I would say that the, the thing that swayed it for me, if I just say I was voting, the thing that would have swayed it was not necessarily to his performance, because I think you're allowed to have a bad performance when quite pertinently you're injured. And you could see the two was injured in that game. Um, it did maybe, I think that game for down the line when he eventually declares for the draft is one that people will look at more just because of how that risk-taking style, and we've seen him get little niggly injuries through it over the, the whole season how that translates and how he needs to kind of give up on players a little bit earlier. So I think the, the game itself is more important for that than anything. But, you know, I, I just think that the issue is that the way Jalen Hurts came in and won the game, kind of, it undermines it a little bit, only because it just offers a, a stark reminder of just how good the rest of that Alabama team is. And, you know, if you took Kyler Murray off Oklahoma as good as... As good as Lincoln Riley is and as good as the team was last year and as good as Baker Mayfield was, you, would, you wouldn't you would say that Oklahoma would be anywhere near the CFP. If you took if you took two out of Alabama, I still think there might be 13 and all. So I think it's difficult to give him the award as good as he was for the rest of the season when he's in such a dominant team. It really reduces the margin to error down to zero for him. And that'll be the same next year as well because... It's just it's just such a good team, and, and Jalen Hurts showed that. What do you think about Murray's future? Obviously, he said he's not going back to Oklahoma. He's has the $4.6 million contract from the Oakland A's. He was the ninth overall pick in the baseball draft. Where do you think his future lies, though? Because Scott Boras, his, his baseball agent, says he's absolutely dedicated to baseball, but there are certainly people within the NFL who believe that Murray will declare for the draft. His papers have already been handed into the advisory board for um, information back from the league as to where he might be picked. If that comes back and says that he will be a top 60 pick, even a top 40 pick, I mean, I personally suspect he'll end up in the first round if he does come out. But what do you think his mindset would be? Do you think he would choose football over baseball? Because essentially he could make more money as a, as a starting NFL quarterback than he could in baseball. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the contracts in baseball are enormous. I just think the decision comes down to what he what he thinks he what he enjoys more, and 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 from what I've read, that is probably football. I think he enjoys the game more than he enjoys baseball. I mean, it's a it's such an interesting decision that's multi layered because 
baseball really is the you know it's the it's the one where there's guaranteed money already there for him but the reality is i actually think baseball is harder to become a major league player even when you get drafted higher i mean I've, i don't know baseball inside out by any means but i've watched a lot of it this year and it just it just feels like the draft in baseball is less of a sure thing in the first round and i know there's there's nfl draft picks who don't pan out and certainly you know he would be an nfl quarterback who was trying to do something that nobody's ever done and be a, a great quarterback at, at his height but then part of me thinks if you draft Kyler Murray, there is no way that a good coach could not figure out a way to use Kyler Murray one way or another. I mean, the guy is so athletically gifted. I personally think would love to see the, the quarterback thing because, you know, it's not like he's it's not like he's one of these quarterbacks who's a bit smaller and just an athlete who, who can't throw the ball. He's got great accuracy. Like, I mean, if you if you added four or five inches onto his height, you would basically say that he was a top five pick guaranteed. Mm. So... I I personally think he'll play play football, and I mean his his baseball agent is gonna say that he'll play baseball. I mean he's protecting it is is interest in that sense, but it's a fascinating discussion. But also, I mean the fact that he's not returning is is a fascinating discussion for Oklahoma, who I think he'll be in the mix for Justin Fields, who a, a guy who I'm sure we'd have talked about on this podcast anyway. We've mentioned him a few times this year. He was one of the the two hot recruited quarterbacks last year and he's got a transfer from Georgia having not beat out Jake from basically him and Trevor Lawrence were were probably two of the greatest high school quarterbacks ever. So Oklahoma's future's fascinating, but the the Kyler Murray thing's interesting. I mean I know I know you, you really think so. Si. I mean you study the draft more than certainly any person I know and, and, and know more about it than any person I know. You think that there's a real prospect for, for Kyler Murray to be a first-round pick and potentially try and set in a whole new trend in the NFL. I mean, I think that that, that trend is is certainly moving anyway. I think yeah. that, you know, you look at the success of Drew Brees, but also you look at the success of Russell Wilson, you look at the success of Baker Mayfield, you look at Tua Tungavaila. I mean, Kaylin Kayla wrote at the MMQB yesterday that there's a belief around the NFL that although he's listed about six, one and a half, he's actually six foot I think the, the biggest thing will be teams getting hold of Kyler Murray and seeing what size he is you know is he only five foot nine because he looks very small and college players tend to look bigger in college than they do in the NFL because yeah. of because of the, the fact that they're just surrounded by these behemoths um, I know we're a college football podcast I've got some breaking NFL news if you're interested oh, Josh Gordon has stepped away from the NFL yeah, I see. That's terrible news for the Patriots, but I, um, you could see that coming after yeah. after the, after Sunday because they basically decided not to use him um, at the end of the game, and it was it was weird. Basically, that that basically puts a fork in the Patriots' hopes yeah. as, a, as a Super Bowl team. He put, I take my mental health very seriously at this point to ensure I remain able to perform at the highest level. I've recently felt like I could have a better grasp on things mentally. With that said, I will be stepping away from the field for a bit to focus on my mental health. I'd like to thank Coach Belichick, Mr. Kraft, and countless others within the Patriots organization for their continued support. I want to thank my fans for their support as well as I continue down the path to getting back to 100%. Good luck to him. Yeah, he's such a great player. I mean, he's. I'm obviously a Patriots fan in the NFL, and he's. He's. The talent is just so obviously there. He's great to watch, but yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it's just one of those things. He's had. He's had these problems for a lot of years, and his his own wellness is certainly more important than than anything else. 
What do you think is the most um, pressured job in America currently? I mean, you'd probably say you're the president or director of the CIA or whatever. Should I tell you what the most pressured job in... Uh, you should. In, it is next year's starting quarterback at Oklahoma. I mean, imagine following two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. I mean, that's a hell of an expectation. Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, we could chat about this Justin Fields situation because I... And there's a lot of talk he's going to go to Ohio State. Um so this kid, we, we were in Georgia last year, Si, weren't we? And, and there was just talk about Trevor Lawrence, who we met, and this Justin Fields kid. And, and everything we were told was, this, these two are two of the greatest high school quarterbacks ever. And Fields has decided to leave Georgia because he hasn't beat out Jake Fromm. And he, and he was basically told he'd be given the chance to compete for the job. He hasn't won it. I mean, Jake Fromm now has now beat now two five-star quarterbacks in Georgia. If mm. anything... Tells if you need anything to tell you how good he is, then that's that. He's been two out, two out in two years. But so he's going to transfer seemingly, and to me, Oklahoma seems like the the absolute ideal spot. There's talk of Ohio State with Ryan Day, and certainly Ryan Day's credentials in this area are very good, and we've seen what he's done with Dwayne Haskins. But I mean, how if you were a quarterback now, side we've seen Baker go first overall pick, so it's not like this is just a guy who is building great college quarterbacks. He's also building quarterbacks in Baker who could be in the NFL. And now we've just had that conversation about about um, the NFL prospects of Kyler Murray as well. So it's going to be fascinating that because if, if I was him, that's where I would go. And, and if, if they end up getting Justin Fields, that's very interesting, isn't it, in terms of that next guy, probably mm. a little bit more interesting than the alternatives, if, if not. Austin Kendall is the backup, three-star recruit. Um, he is the he's been number two on the depth chart. Whether or not he uh, he is the guy will remain to be seen. What do you think about um, moving forward? What do you think about potential playoff expansion? It's all of a sudden been talked about, uh, mainly I suppose, off the back of um, University of Central Florida being uh, left out for the last two years, having been unbeaten in both uh, in both seasons. Do you think that we'll get to an eighteen? Playoff because it does does really seem to be moving that way. There does seem to be some some real um, some real strength behind that potential. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I 100% do, and I think that you know, bigger than the UCF situation now is there are big conferences who are, who are getting left out of the mix. I mean, the Big Ten have not had anyone in for the last two seasons, and and the commissioner of the Big Ten, Jim Delaney, is probably probably the most the most important man in college mm. football in terms of. In terms of his reputation and his his swear with everybody else, and he opposed he opposed the playoff, didn't he? For for such a long time, he was the yeah, one absolutely. That really he was it. mainly the biggest stumbling block to it ever coming into fruition during the the BCS era. Um, but he he's raised his head above the parapet and said openly, "I I want a I want an eighteen playoff." And the reason he wants it is is to protect the interests of his own conference. But it's great for everybody else, and it's great for UCF as well um, because there's no doubt that they would have been in the last two seasons with a with an 18 playoff and, and now I, I feel fairly confident based on the groundswell of support for Delaney already and, and certainly even dissenting voices don't seem to be strongly dissenting that I think you'll have one by 2020 I mean I don't think it'll happen for next season but I could very much see a scenario where it happens by 2020 mm. 
It was early signing day yesterday, the, the, the day, I mean, it always used to be in February, letter of intent day, signing day, where high school kids uh, announce who they're going to, uh, which, which university they're going to attend, the, the vigorous recruiting process over many years that, that all these schools do. Um, it, it's recently been called the sort of early signing period, but realistically, this is really official signing day sort of February is now kind of late signing day these days uh, I think it was a big day um, for certainly a number of teams yesterday some of the winners and losers think obviously Alabama seven straight number one classes dipped last year to number five so you know obviously Nick Saban comes back with a vengeance landed Evan Neal one of the best players in the country a five star tackle and Trey Sanders yet another number one ranked running back to, to go along with that incredible class of backs that they've got there one of the intriguing things was they flipped uh, uh, and what tends to happen is teams or schools tend to flip players late on, didn't they? And Alabama certainly flipped Jordan Battle at, uh, from Ohio State. Uh, Florida State lost a quarterback who went to NC State um, with uh, with Matt Brown showing his recruiting uh, now yet again uh, in doing so. Ohio State had a good class. Obviously, just mentioned North Carolina, their ability to flip Sam Howell, the, the sort of number three quarterback in the nation who was supposed to be going to Tallahassee. Uh, Michigan obviously flipped Dax Hill from Alabama and then brought in Cornelius Johnson, uh, the big four-star wide receiver I suppose on the flip side you know Miami and Florida State really I mean Miami I think is 30 I think I saw this morning 37th in the nation in national rankings by the end of the day has lost five commitments from their class of 2019 since the start of January Florida State as well didn't really get the kind of high profile activity that you're used to seeing from you know from from the Seminoles and the guys that they flipped they flipped a guy from Boston College they flipped a guy from South Florida they flipped a guy from Miami but you know they they kind of failed to get signatures from some of their high profile commitments Akeem Dent Travis J Nick Cross all defensive backs so you know the state of Florida really falling away it seems a little bit especially with the kind of the the two powerhouses but Alabama seemed to seem to power on you know this unstopped machine Arkansas also had a great day but Alabama really leading the way yet again yeah, I mean Alabama lost a lot of a lot of their kind of recruiters in the building last year, and and I think struggled to adjust to this early signing period. Nobody really knew what it was going to look like last year. Uh, whereas this year they were just back at number one and, and dominant. I mean I think their class, when all is said and done, could be the greatest recruiting class of all time ratings wise. So it's certainly a a nice comeback, and the and the rich get richer. Um, I think signing day now, because you know that Alabama are going to be so good, it's more about the the teams slightly below, but also the teams a long way below. I mean, Georgia again, we're right up there with Bama, so that suggests that that's not just a flash in the pan now. Kirby start, Smart's putting recruiting class after recruiting class together. They had the number one class in the nation last year and are back at number two this year. Um, Michigan Michigan had a great class as you mentioned uh, missed out on one five star kid that could have made it probably the best class they've had in 20 years but a, a very good one Oregon had a great class and that's interesting because the rest of the Pac-12 had a terrible day yesterday including USC who inexplicably bad class for USC I mean you know USC's really should be recruiting 20 kids on the doorstep in the blink of an eye and then getting five from out of state because it's such a talent-rich area and there's such a powerhouse there. I mean, UCLA are about 40th and mm. I think, if in fact, I'm not sure they're that high because they've already got about 11 guys who've signed letters of intent. Um, Chip Kelly does it a little bit differently though. I don't think he ever looks for big recruiting classes as much as honing in on certain character guys a little bit lower down. Um, 
So, yeah, Oregon were the outlier for the Pac-12, top five class. And you think of all the great years Chip Kelly had there, this is the best class they've ever had, including when Chip was there. And that makes sense. I mean, a, a program with them uniforms associated with Nike and that people should just search for their facility online and get some images of it because it's absolutely out of this world. Mm. It's like something that you would expect to see on a spaceship, their locker room and stuff. So they should have great recruiting classes as well, but good to see them finally do it. But, yeah, I mean, the the the, the, the Florida State situation, Si, I mean, you're obviously a fan. It As a coach and tenure ever started worse at a, at a key, at a big programme? No, I don't think so. Really I, I, I mean, I think, if, I think the financial thing is such a massive issue as well because it would cost them almost 25 million pounds to buy out his contract um, and Tanger also came with a strong reputation as a, a as a strong recruiter and it's just not happened I mean obviously results on the field do dictate those sorts of things but you don't have a Bobby Bowden anymore you don't have a Nick Saban you don't have a Mac Brown you don't have a you know a Jim Harbour you know, Willie Taggart is Willie Taggart. He's a second-tier, at best, college football coach. And the mystique is gone from Florida State. It's gone. You know, and you look, you, you know, you're getting out-recruited by Oregon, who, you know, won the state of Cal. You're getting out-recruited by Cal, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, um, it, it's astonishing. It's disappointing to see it. And what I thought was interesting as well, you had kind of well-respected sort of, Florida State boosters and Florida State alumni and Florida State um, Florida State sort of websites and things getting into what essentially became a pissing match with the University of Miami former you know alumni boosters etc on social media about our class is better than your class and you think this is what we've descended to yeah, this, is, this is what we've become so, so bad. bad exactly it was just it's astonishing really and I don't know where they go from here because you know, they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, the fact that they had Sam... I mean, you know, DeAndre Francois yesterday announced that he was either going to... He was going to go to the NFL or he was going to... Um, he was going to leave Florida State and, and go somewhere else. He's, what, what, what would you do in his situation? So he's a guy me and you think has NFL potential but has never been able to short he's just, on the field because he, he was injured mm-hmm. in Jimbo's last year and then has been behind the worst offensive line in, in maybe the history of big-time college football. Yeah, season. and he's a square peg in a round hole. He doesn't fit the Willie Taggart system at all. That's just not a system that works for him. Um, he doesn't look good in it. He really can't play in it. Um, so I would look for him to try and find a system that suits. It's tricky, though, isn't it? We see, I think there's so many guys who've done that transfer. I think Malik Zaire did it from Notre yeah. Dame to Florida. And it, it feels like you, you know, guard the midshoe this year at Washington State, that doesn't happen very often, does yeah. it, where a guy just goes in and finds a system that, that fits so well with them immediately. Exactly. It, it usually doesn't work. But, you'd, I mean, where would you see him if he declared for the draft now as well? He he kind of needs to needs to try and, and have a, a good senior year somewhere else, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think he would probably be a late round or undrafted um, undrafted quarterback if he... Um, if he left uh, for the NFL, uh, in terms of if he stays, I mean, he 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 contested this report yesterday that was um, that was uh, refuted. This report that he was uh, about to transfer, and uh, in fact, apparently he phoned up the uh, Orlando Sun Sentinel and asked him to change the report, um, stating that he could potentially remain with them. But I, I mean, I just don't see that 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 would happen. I mean. He's a graduate transfer, so, so therefore he's eligible to play immediately elsewhere. So he's going to have no restrictions upon where he ends up. 
Uh, I know. I certainly know from people at the Miami Herald that that you know Miami were very interested in Francois if he was to to transfer, which would be, you know, very interesting. But you know, the, with the Sam Howell decision yesterday in terms of um, North Carolina flipping his commitment, Florida State have got one quarterback returning. Yeah, now. that's that's James Blackman, and that's it. I mean, that's it. That's, that's it. It's an astonishing. It's an astonishing situation that they find themselves in. I mean. I mean, they've got to pick. I mean, up, they've, Florida, got, they've got to pick Florida up a grand State transfer. Or, Miami, Florida State and Miami are both in, in, in a little bit of trouble. I mean, Miami, at least with Florida State, like it's a new, it's a new scenario. I don't think I've seen a team have a bigger fall from grace from September to. Oh, no. they, December the Miami, the, the third ranked team, were they? The yeah. Absolutely. Their, their defensive coordinator Manny Diaz has gone to Temple to be the head coach, and that's apparently half the reason why some of these commits have flipped. I mean, Michigan flipped it a four-star linebacker from there the day before signing day. Like, you know, we went into this season saying that the U was potentially on the road back, and now I look at it and think, well, they're not. I mean, they had a top-ten recruiting class last year, and this one's going to be about 40. So it, it feels like all of the momentum they built over last season, you know, they blew out Notre Dame, they had a great year, they were unbeaten before they played Pitt, and then now it just feels like... What a difference a few months makes. I mean, their, their recruiting class is 43rd in the nation behind Duke, Iowa State, Baylor, and Indiana. And, and next year, they'll, they won't have Manny Diaz, obviously, as you mentioned, but Jeff Thomas, Sheldrick Redwine, Gerald Willis, Jaquan Johnson, Michael Jackson, Joe Jackson, Michael Pinckney, Shaquille Quarterman. I mean, that's a ridiculously good amount of NFL talent that, that, will be there, that won't be there next season. I mean, the honeymoon period for Mark Richt has well and truly... You know, has well and truly gone um, because I mean I don't know what's going to I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's not a um, it is not a happy uh, group of fans certainly down in that area, and it, it's a team that felt like it was about to get back and reclaim those old days, and has just fallen away so remarkably. I mean, these are two teams, side when like in the days where you you were for first kind of getting into college football that were just these were the two teams in the whole country mm. the U in Florida State absolutely this was, this was a, an in-division rivalry that was doubling up as a national championship game every year because it was such a an important game and now it's it, the thing with college football is it's not a quick turnaround once it starts to go wrong. It's a long, long road back isn't it? To, absolutely and, I mean certainly from the depths of where Florida State are I mean you know the they don't even look a good team on the field and you can't see how that improves next year without a quarterback. No, exactly. Exactly. As I said at the top, we are, and you are listening to the uh, the College Football Podcast with the ESPN player, we are in the sort of midst of the, the early bowl season, uh, Miami Beach Bowl and, and the Gasparilla Bowl last, uh, Miami Beach Bowl last night, Gasparilla Bowl tonight, the Bahamas Bowl and the Potato Bowl. You know, the next couple of days. We're sort of in this sort of Toledo, FIUs, BYUs, Western Michigans, Wake Forest, Memphis kind of, you know, area. Really, it doesn't start picking up until about the 28th of, uh, of the month when you all of a sudden you have Auburn and Purdue, Syracuse, West Virginia, Washington State, Iowa State, which should be a doozy, Virginia, South Carolina, Michigan, Florida, Clemson, and then obviously Clemson, Notre Dame. And we, we will discuss the playoff in, in, and, in fact, those, those kind of other important bowl games in future podcasts but anything that catches your eye over the next couple of days in terms of I like Wake Forest Memphis because Darrell Henderson obviously the very talented running back for, for Memphis should be an interesting game you, you like Army Houston don't you I, I do yeah I mean I'm at, 
it's it's a little bit of a shame that we're not going to see Derek King, the the yeah. the Houston quarterback, who I think led the led the league in touchdowns this year. But I, I just really like what Army have done this year. I think Jeff Munkin had had as good a year as 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 any coach in in college football. And but we've said it a lot. It's been a bit of a theme of this podcast that we really enjoy watching games with with triple option offenses. I it's just a little bit of variation every now and again. We saw Army. Very nearly beat Oklahoma with it in the season, and I just think Army are, are one of those stories that. And this is why bowl season's great, because you know the season goes along, and and these stories happen on the, on the kind of lower level that you that you don't really notice because there's lots of other things happening, and then bowl season comes along, and particularly these early games, you you watch these teams who've had great years and 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 put a put a little ball on it, and I think I think Jeff Munkin and, and Army will do that in this game, and and it'll be. It'll be good to see, but yeah, I mean, it's just I just think Army have been one of the better stories of the season, and it'll be nice to to see them wrap that up with a with a nice ball victory as well. Yeah, if you're a fan of the running game, then uh, then this is definitely one for you. I mean, Army, I think three thousand five hundred fifty five yards rushing this season, second in the country, won eight straight since they lost to Oklahoma, um, and and they're quarterback by Kelvin Kelvin Hopkins, who's, who ran for one thousand eight hundred forty seven yards and twelve touchdowns this season, passing only in inverted commas for nine hundred fifty six. So you can you can see where the uh, discrepancy lies in terms of run to pass it should be an interesting game no no Ed Oliver on the defensive side he'll be a high um, a high draft pick he's already declared for the for the draft um, anything else catch your eye or are we good uh, not massively I mean I, I think Minnesota Georgia Tech's interesting because it's it's Paul Johnson's last game it is. Um, as, as the Georgia Tech head coach so that ends uh, a great tenure there. Um, I think Boise State Boston College could be a, could be a really decent game. I mean, you know, as, as long as AJ Dillon's healthy for Boston College, Boise State had another good season, lost in the in the Mountain West Conference game to Fresno State, who've just beaten Arizona State in one of the bowl games we've seen. So, I think as a as a competitive football game, that could be a a nice one on on Boxing Day, um, and then. Then it's the big ones, and I, and I think we're going to do a, a separate podcast to, to cover off some of those bigger ones, and then potentially get into the get into the semi final in a different pod as well. We got we got a fair few coming on we say over the next we over have. the next couple of weeks to to celebrate bowl season. We have. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. Don't forget ESPN Player for all your bowl needs throughout this festive season. Uh, documentaries as well as the SEC Network, the Longhorn Network, um, and a myriad of football over this. In fact, a myriad of sport whether you like volleyball or soccer or any of those things, over uh, the Christmas period. We shall be back, as Matt says, in a few days' time to look forward to some of the other bigger bowl games and then dive headfirst into Clemson, Notre Dame and Alabama against Oklahoma. We are looking forward to it. Have a wonderful Christmas. We shall see you after the 25th.